Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. The biggest thing I say with our players is that um, I, I try to be demanding, but not over the top. Um, I just use this analogy to, with these guys today. Uh, it ain't prison, but it ain't a country club. So we're somewhere in the, in the middle there is where we got to get these guys to, to perform. Uh, you know, there's going to be some times where I got to love them up because they're going to need that love. And then there's other times like, come on, man, we got to be able, we got to do better than this. And I think that that's where I come into play, trying to make sure that these guys are held accountable, ha- held accountable, but not so over the top that they don't like the game of football. We got to keep the love of the game of football. And if we can get them to do that, we may like our results on Sundays. That's Raiders uh, defensive backs coach Ron Miles, and you know he's somebody that we've been, you know, uh, talking up throughout this offseason. Ever since Gus Bradley got this job, the new defensive coordinator, um, and decided to bring uh, Ron Miles with him, the secondary coach uh, Richard Smith. The linebacker coach, and of course, keep Rod Marinelli, the defensive line coach. We've been talking about the track record of Ron Miles, the excellence really of, of Ron Miles. And what's really interesting is, uh, and we saw this at practice last week, um, he gets after it. And, you know, he was, he, he and, and, and Derek Carr had a running conversation going uh, during a red zone period where it was Derek Carr, his wide receiver, and a cornerback defending the wide receiver. And they must have been lined up, at, like say, at the five-yard line, maybe the ten-yard line. Uh, and it was me, you, and him. And one of us is going to win this battle, and one of us isn't. And Ron Miles was standing in the end zone, backing his guys up, and reminding everybody, including Derek Carr, what the score was, because the defense – over the course of the of that particular period that I'm uh, kind of reflecting on, the defense won the battle. The defense broke up passes. The defense forced incomplete, incomplete completions. They were where they were supposed to be. Yeah, definitely the offense won its share. They should, in a lot of ways, uh, because you know they had the in, they the when it's one on one coverage and the wide receiver knows where he's going and the quarterback knows where where he's going. Uh, it's difficult for the defense to win that rep. But they won their share of reps, and there was Ron Milas making sure everybody understood it. And I asked him afterwards, was that backing your guys up? Was it trying to kind of push some buttons with Derek Carr? Uh, what, what was behind that? And he said, a little bit of both, to be honest with you, a little bit of both. But, hey, uh, this is about competition. And I know Derek Carr, uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was being a competitor as well, and it means a lot to him. Derek Carr, don't, for, don't ever think, ever that Derek Carr, it doesn't burn like really intensely in his stomach to win. Uh, anyone who doesn't think that or questions it, you're just, you don't understand football and you don't understand people. And you could take that garbage someplace else because Derek Carr wants to win and every rep I see it every day, and I saw it uh, to their, or that, the, the, the day that, um, uh, that I'm talking about. And he and, and Ron Miles on a hot day in Henderson, Nevada, uh, toward the end of a practice, and he was acting like it was the Super Bowl. And that's how you have to be, and that's how Derek Carr is. 
Uh, but getting back to Ron Miles to see him backing his guys, and, and his guys are playing hard out there. They're playing smart. They're playing hard. They're playing effectively. They're defending people. Um, it's 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 pretty cool to see, and I think if it can carry over to this, I think it can carry over uh, to the season. We'll see. Uh, but but to me, it's a pretty good start for that secondary, getting backed up by a guy that's seen it, done it, knows what it looks like, knows what it doesn't look like. Um, it's an ace that the Raiders have up their sleeve with Rod Minus. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dana is in Boca Raton, wants to talk about Gerald McCoy. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Vinny. How you doing? Doing excellent. I love Boca Raton, by the way. Um Oh man, it's like it's so beautiful right now. Like the sunset, the air. It's like there's no wind. It's like a rare afternoon here. Uh, Vinny, I was uh, watching the press conference earlier, and uh, you know I watched the interaction between you and Gerald McCoy. Which, by the way, I mean, like I already said it months ago that you are the Allegiant Stadium of Raiders coverage, right? Oh man, but thank you. You always lead off every press conference, which I've noticed so. You're becoming like the godfather of the Raider Nation. <laughs> and by the way, I think that we're going to uh, graft you in soon enough, and you're going to be a, a Raider fan before, before you know it. But nonetheless, the way that you – that guy, dude, Gerald McCoy, I mean, I've seen him through the years, and I've seen him on the NFL films, and I've seen him, and I'm like, man, that guy is something else. And then to see him in silver and black, I mean, like, I, I called Q's show – because after I heard JT talking about the way, I mean, that he was preaching and the way that he was, you know, talking. And, and as somebody else, that's, that I try to be a leader, a mentor, a teacher, and I've been a coach. And to see somebody else like that and the, the way that, I mean, I'm sure the press room that you guys were all like, oh, my goodness, this is different, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is, this is the alpha dog. That if he has the gas in the tank, that I hope he has. I mean, this is the signing that could take us over the top. But the the other thing is too, the Vinny. Last week, I wanted to call in so bad, mm-hmm. and you've been talking about the difference in the kind of people that Gruden and Mayock have been signing. Yep. And I would say this: I noticed it when the the, the, the draft of all the Clemson players. You know, sure. because Dabo Sweeney, he. he he recruits good Christian young men that he can turn into great Christian men. And then we take three of them. And then the guy from Alabama and Josh Jacobs, we know his story. He's a man of faith. And then you got Foster Moreau who who wears that special number for the leader in in LSU. And then you see, I mean, dude, I have to stop for a second. Raider Nation, if you guys aren't watching these press conferences and seeing everything, like the coaches that Vinny's talking about, Foster Murrow, and you're not filled with optimism, you need to spend some time on Raiders.com. So back to what I was saying. These guys, they're, they're bringing in. And then when you watch the men that they bring in, and I'm telling the guys that I know, I'm like, they're bringing in like guys like Derek. They're bringing in guys of faith. They're bringing them over and over. Then you see Unique and Gawkway is the big signing. And his Twitter account has got the Easter picture of the three crosses. And then you bring in Gerald McCoy. And what is the first thing it says on his Twitter account? Christ follower. They're bringing in men of quality, men of character, men of God that can withstand the temptations of Las Vegas and rise above. And that is the plan. And we can see it. And I'm so excited about it. And Vinny, you've been right on top of it, and I, I'm just 
I'm overjoyed. My silver and club, my silver and black cup is not half full. It's overflowing, and I'm excited for what's to come. And I thank you for the time you've given me. I appreciate it, Dana. Uh, um, and and you know, we'll see if it translates on the field. You know, um, and 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 that's going to be the ultimate test. Uh, we all you know understand that. And then and football seasons unfold the way they unfold. Every one of them is unique um, uh, uh, to to themselves. So we don't know what's out there. We don't know what the pitfalls are going to be. We don't know what twists and turns this year is going to take for the league itself, for the Raiders in particular. But I can say this. Um, I think the character of player that the Raiders are seeking out and identifying and kind of mandating themselves to stay – you know, within that parameter to, to and, and not deviate from that and not accept anything less. Um, I think the Raiders did that a little bit, um, you know, with, uh, with, with a couple of guys. And, and I think that what happened with a couple of those guys or what didn't happen and how it turned out and what ultimately happened probably reaffirms uh, the conviction that they have to make sure that they're populating this locker room with good people. Um, and, and I've seen it so many times in my career, uh, one way or another, both ways, the bad ways and seasons turn sour and guys start pointing fingers and, uh, the, 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 the floor collapses because there really wasn't a foundation of, um, of character and a professionalism and, uh, you know, dedication and all those things. Uh, when, when you don't have that, the first minute that something starts cracking or being challenged, it's going to fall apart. You know, when I go back to, to you know, my days covering the Rams and, and I, I was thinking about this uh, when some of the callers have been talking about what they're starting to see just on video or on live stream uh, of what we're seeing on a daily basis of, of the type of people that are here now for the Raiders. And it's getting more and more like that. Like, like there's so many impre- – Zay Jones – you know, I know he's been around for a little while, but there's a reason why he's here, even though maybe the statistics don't show it. To have somebody like that in your locker room is invaluable. Uh, Unique Ngakwe, who's going to put production behind the um, the person that he is and the leadership that he brings, and Max Crosby and Clee Farrell. These are these are winners in life, and that's I, 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 again, I don't take that lightly, and I go back. Uh, to to my time with the Rams, they signed a guy by the name of Andrew Whitworth, one of the most unique, humble human beings I've dealt with in professional sports. A big old dude from Louisiana uh, who was friends with everybody on that team. Didn't matter what they looked like, what their background was, any of that. He was, and and I remember talking to the Raiders' uh, uh, decision makers, and here's. You know, uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth, who they paid a pretty penny for, coming up on 35 years old at the time, 36 years old at the time. And their thought process was, number one, you know, left tackle. Number two, this is a guy who leads and wants to lead. And the Rams felt like they had leaders on that team, but they were just so darn young that they weren't quite there, ready to lead. And they brought in a guy that was going to show them how to lead, show uh, Michael Brockers, show Aaron Donald, show Jared Goff uh, and some of the others on that team what it looked like to be a leader. 
and to emulate that and to follow that and to use that as your reference point and, and as your lead and, uh, and, then, and then go do it yourself. And that's exactly what's happened. Andrew Whitworth is still there. But now they have a team full of leaders as well, guys that were on the cusp of being that, didn't quite know how to put it together and then saw what it really looked like. And I feel like that with some of the youngsters that the Raiders have on this team and the, um, the, 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 the great veteran presence that they now have – to be able to emulate and look at and watch and observe. And, and just like those Rams teams had a bunch of young players that wanted to lead, that wanted to do it right, but just needed a little bit more guidance, especially within their own locker room. That's what I'm sensing and seeing with these Raiders. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Alan is in Las Vegas. How you doing, Alan? Do we have Alan? Can you hear me? I got you, brother. Oh, awesome, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, Alan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I had uh, another question for you, but I actually want to chime in on, on this current topic of leadership. And like you said, it's great that we've brought in different players, and even if they're not starters, they're um, even if they're second string, they have like a certain role, like a certain purpose on this team. And I think that helps, that, um, like you mentioned, the leaders on our team, especially the quarterback and the leader on defense that, in crunch time, in close, in close games in the fourth quarter when there's a minute left, when you need to know that the guy next to you is going to trust, um, that you can trust them to make a yes. play. Yes. And that, that element of trust is, just takes you so much further as opposed to, man, we're, we're not going to make this play. There's no way. You know, we just can't do it. I mean, you got to have that faith that, that the 10 other men that are on the field with you are going to do their job and that you yourself can do your job. No doubt about it. I completely agree. And I think that uh, if you look at last year in particular, those moments defensively were when the uh, Raiders were the most disconnected or and the least confident and played that way. Um, you know, they'd have moments throughout the game. And it wasn't just late in games. It was key moments, like third downs. The Raiders would play good defense first and second down sometimes. Maybe even put them off schedule, the other team. Maybe it's a third and 14 now because the Raiders played really well. They are flying around, making some plays, pushing the offense back. But when it got to third and 14, third and 12, third and 8, when you were supposed to and need to be at your best, be the most connected, be the most confident that's when they would fall apart far too often. And they just, weren't, they just weren't ready to do it last year. There's a lot of reasons why that was the case. Uh, but I think the Raiders have addressed some of those reasons. And from a coaching standpoint, bringing in some veteran leadership, being able to get guys into a building the way they were this offseason, some of their younger players that they are fully counting on taking big step forwards, not only as players, uh, but as leaders, and I think that they feel like they're headed in the right direction in that regard, and I'd be shocked if they weren't. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Bernard uh, is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Bernard? Hey, Benny, how you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. Hey, I want to uh, just comment again. A, a couple of calls, calls ago, a guy called in and said that uh, you guys stay, I think I said it before, but, man, it's, you guys is uh, giving us an outlet, man. It's, it's, it's heaven sent, man, because we didn't have representation up here in the Bay Area. I still live up here, had season tickets, and they gone now. But, man, it seems like they haven't left because we got so much content with you and Q and Devon representing, man. It's, it's, it's awesome, man, because it's, it's like they're still here almost. I'm, I'll tell you the truth, even though they're not 
you know, we can't drive uh, 35, 45 minutes to the stadium. We get better coverage now than we ever had the whole time they was here. So we well, love, um, love your show, man. I appreciate that. And also, hey, don't forget to go check uh, at least me out over uh, at the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com on the, uh, on, on the computer. Download the app, Vegas Nation. We got you covered on that end of it, too, from a content standpoint, videos, uh, all that type of stuff, uh, stories, all of that. So between, you know, what we're doing over at Vegas Nation, what we're doing here um, at, uh, at Raider Nation Radio, you, you're why we do this, and it makes my heart feel good. To know that, you know, up in the Bay Area, you guys are listening in and we're giving you maybe more than you even had when they were up there. That's why we're doing it. It makes me feel really good, brother. Oh, yeah. I, re- I read your stuff, too, man. You, you guys, you good, man. I, I love y'all show. We gonna, thanks for the support. Just let me get this in real quick. Yeah, um, sure. I love the, the tidbits we get from Gus Bradley and Miles. Um, haven't heard... Um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Richard Smith speak yet? I maybe missed it, but they just—they just awesome man. And I just love how he said earlier. He said sometimes you gotta love them up, yep. and sometimes you know he got—he got to let them know. And um, it was one thing you got to think about. We need that veteran leadership. I was yep. thinking about that, and I said these guys are so young, and they get this money. They have a lot of distractions. I didn't buy my first house, I think, until I was like maybe like 30 years old. Right. These guys got it. I heard somebody, I think it was Farrell, he's like, man, I had to buy groceries, mm-hmm. do my own laundry, buy a new house. I mean, can you think about having to deal with that and coming into the NFL at such a young age? You know, that's a lot of things to think about. Then you have to look at football. This is your job now, and you're going against grown men, you know, that are fighting for salaries and their livelihood. So that, that's a big adjustment. And the COVID thing last year with a, such a young team, I, I knew it was going to have a big big effect, especially on the off, on, on the defense. I think the, the offense was set. You got Carr, and they already had their groove going. You know, they and, and they proved they 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 didn't they didn't miss a beat. And they going to go eat, pick up a, even a uh, few more steps this year. I think it's going to be awesome what they can do. Just this defense just need to improve a little bit, and with the teachers that they have, I think they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be fine. They just need to take a couple of steps forward, and Real quick before I go, mm-hmm. they teach, man. These coaches teach, and Gus Bradley said, we keep track of mental mistakes. Yep. I love that. And he said, credibility breeds confidence. So, you know, when they uh, consistency breeds credibility, I think that's what he said. Yeah, So absolutely. all these things that he says, I mean, it, it shows. If you don't show me consistency, you're going to be sitting next to me on the sideline or standing yeah. next to me on the sideline. Exactly. So I'm looking for these guys to take a, take a step forward. With all the teaching and the athletic ability, athletic ability that they have, I think we're going to see it on the field this year. And I thought, and I think uh, the, this Raider defense now is at the point where they're not going to just be giving away snaps. <laughs> they're just not. Uh, there are some guys, I don't want to name names, but there's been some guys the last few years that were getting snaps because that's just, that was, they didn't have any other options other than that guy, and that guy wasn't really that good. Let's be honest about it. And and if you're still on, uh, uh, you know, on, on hold uh, or with me, uh, you know, you mentioned Clee Farrell, you know, coming in as a 22-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, buying his first house, making his first mortgage permit payment. I wasn't here uh, when, 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 when Clee got here as a, as a rookie. I remember coming up with the Rams and seeing that 2019 team in training camp. And I was just, and I know I was talking to people as well, and it was just like, wow, this is going to take a little while for the Raiders to get this thing turned around, for John Gruden to get this thing turned around. And I just remember back, or think back to that time when when guys like Jonathan and 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 Clee and Max were coming onto the scene. Who do they have as role models 
on that Raider team, on that Raider defense specifically. You know, I know Derek Carr had charge of that offense, and uh, that was getting in order. You can see that starting to head in the right direction. But defensively, you know, um, and again, not to point any fingers at, at, at guys who were here, but whether it was um, just just guys that were not very good, so the production, you know, uh, wasn't to be respected um, or, or, or their presence wasn't commanding. I don't know who the Raiders' defense had, those young defensive players that were starting to come in in, in, in 2019, who they had to look up to as role models. And, you know, I asked – um, Gerald McCoy today, you know, who are you, did you get this? Did you have this kind of understanding that you're expressing right now, right off the bat? Very few guys have that kind of shrewdness and understanding and professionalism right off the bat. Usually there's an older guy, um, a, a respected veteran that you, you, you look up to and you start emulating and start learning from. And he, you know, named a host of guys uh, that that did that for him, including Drew Brees, who he would work work out with uh, during the offseason. Interesting, funny little story. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, everybody knows who Keyshawn Johnson is. Um, I'm sure there's an image of Keyshawn as, you know, uh, uh, come on, man, you know, and all that, you know, and, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, throw me the damn ball, you know, the book that he had. Uh, and I'm sure there's an image of, of Keyshawn Johnson. But I could tell you, knowing Keyshawn and spending some time with him and doing some stories on him, um, he's a dude that gets it and understands it. And he told me one time, Vinny, I could go into any locker room, any locker room, and within a minute or two, five minutes or so, be able to figure out who the knuckleheads are and who the real ones were. And I don't want to have anything to do with the knuckleheads. You go do your knucklehead thing and see you later because you ain't going to be around here very much longer anyway. I don't want anything to do with that element. I'm going to go over here with the real ones because I know they're going to be here. I know I'm going to be able to learn from them. I know I'm going to be able to take something from them. I know that I'm going to be able to rely on them. Um, And so it's important to have that on a team. Uh, you can't you're, – you're always going to probably – you don't want this to ever be the case, but you're always probably going to have some – you know what I'm saying? Like like guys that aren't really willing to lead, guys that aren't capable of leading, guys are – you know, just don't want to lead, whatever the case might be. But you know what? They show up on Sundays uh, and, they, and they blow things up and they play great. And that's how they that's, – that's, that's their thing. All right, and and you just kind of leave them alone and, and get what you can from them, you know, on the other end of things. Uh, but if you, but you have to. The, the, the fewer of those guys that that aren't good in in some other areas, the better. And usually, you want somebody that's going to be able to produce and somebody that you're going to be able to rely on, somebody that's going to be willing to either lead or accept leadership. That's the other key. Um, you know, if you don't want to lead, that's fine. Nobody, everyone, not everyone's cut out to do that. And sometimes it's, it comes across as fake or forced when you try to do it. But don't resist leadership. That's part of being a good person, too, and having character. Accept leadership. Embrace leadership, especially when it's coming from a good place. Um, and so I think the more I watch this team, the more we're able to now kind of interact with these guys. It's not a lot, uh, but we're seeing them closer on the football field and in practice, getting a chance to talk to them, look them eye to eye, uh, which I totally enjoy. Uh, and, and there's merit, too. At some point, we're going to be able to get back to the locker room where you can kind of get in another layer of it. But from what I'm seeing, there's been a major turnaround 
in terms of character and, and professionalism and people uh, and good people and reliable people, it usually works out that it works out better on the field that way. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but I'm anxious and fascinated, really, to find out if that is going to be the case for the Raiders this year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, this team is going to catch a lot of people off guard, and there's a lot of talent in this locker room. And um, defensively, you know, uh, what I can bring is just my leadership and experience, more than just um, what I can do on the grass, what I can do. Um, you know, on the side while guys are learning in the meeting rooms, outside of the building, just teaching guys how to be pros. I always believe there's a difference in being a professional and a pro. When you get drafted or whether you don't get drafted, um, undrafted, free agent, whatever, once you sign a contract in the NFL, you're a professional. It doesn't make you a pro. Being a pro is how you approach every day. How you prepare, how you watch film, what do you do when times get tough on the field, what are you eating, you know, how are you learning how to be successful in this league. That's what I believe is being a pro. And not all professionals know how to be pros. So my experience, I can help a lot of the young guys and even some of the experienced guys, teach them how to really be a pro more than just a professional football player. Did you get that right off That was New Raiders defensive tackle uh, Gerald Everett talking about what he brings, what he brings uh, to the uh, to the table. One more time, Demon uh, didn't quite hear you right there. Um, what he brings to the table, uh, not just out on the grass, which I think is going to be pretty evident uh, when he gets right and gets into the swing of things, and you know starts getting acclimated. Uh, here with the Raiders, I don't think you're going to see him uh, on Saturday in the preseason game. You may not might, might not see him in the preseason at at all. Uh, but I think you know, being a month or so out of the season right now, there's plenty of time for Gerald McCoy uh, to get himself right and to get and put himself in a position where he's going to you know uh, be able to uh, produce on the field and be a factor on the field, be an asset to the Raiders on the field. But in the meantime, in the meantime. You just got to go – you see him in practice talking to guys. Guys are coming up and talking to him, and he's always instructing. He's always kind of animated and, and, you know, showing them things, giving them ex- examples. And he talked today. You know, he talked today about how, number one, you know, what he's finding are guys who want to get better, who have that burning passion and burning desire to get better. And that's what I go back to with be open – to teaching and leadership. Don't be closed off to that. And Gerald expressing, he, and he's not trying to pat himself on the back. In fact, he he made it clear, like, I'm not taking any credit here necessarily for this, but I feel like some of what I've been able to point out, guys, and, and you know, in terms of, hey, maybe do it this way. What think about think about this move or this hand placement or 
keep an eye on that when the guard does this or the quarterback does that. You know, reading situations so that you kind of have an idea of what's of what's about to happen to give you a leg up on this rep and on this next snap. Um, he felt like, in his estimation, the practice today the defensive line had a week or so into his being a part of this and being in a, in a you know, kind of a, a coach, a player coach in a way, he felt like today's practice reflected, you know, what's been happening this last week. And he's like, I'm not doing it. He, didn't, he made it clear that he wasn't taking credit for it, uh, although I think that he's had an impact. And he felt like today's practice, this team got better today. This defensive line got better today uh, because of their own work ethic but also them being open to learning. Remember we talked about Michael Oluwakande? Uh, he was a um, – I think he was the number one pick overall uh, by the Los Angeles Clippers years and years ago. Uh, you know, granted, made a lot of money because uh, back then if you were a first pick in the draft, you're going to make a lot of money. Uh, great. Good for him. And then hopefully he saved a whole bunch of it. He always seemed like a pretty smart guy. Uh, hopefully, you know um, – he, he saved a lot of it because his playing career didn't last as long as you would expect a number one pick, a first overall pick to to play out, all right? And one of – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was hired by the Clippers to help Michael Oluwakande. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I don't have to say anything else other than that name itself, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, arguably – not just the best center to ever play the game, but if you go back and look at things from high school to college at UCLA to what he did in the National Basketball Association, winning six championships, yeah, same amount as Michael Jordan, scoring championships, uh, has the most points in league history. Right off the bat with the Milwaukee Bucks, an expansion team the year before, uh, within a couple of years, the Milwaukee Bucks are winning the uh, are winning the uh, the NBA Finals. As a freshman at UCLA, when freshmen weren't even allowed to play, his freshman team beat the UCLA varsity team. The UCLA varsity team was undefeated that season and won the national championship. But Kareem, then Lou Alcindor, and that freshman team, his freshman class, beat them. That's how good he was. He was a great player is the bottom line, and we all know that. And he was brought in specifically to help a young center by the name of Michael Aluakande. And he's trying to teach him the, 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 the hook shot, this and that, and, and the player just wasn't really open uh, to, to, to what Kareem was, was trying to teach him. And it's like, how could you not listen to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Why can't, how could you not be open to his suggestions? And, you know, so, so leadership we talk, we're talking about leadership and the willingness to lead. Not everybody uh, is is cut out to be a leader. And that doesn't make them a bad player, a bad person, or anything like that. It's just you, you, leadership, true leadership, and the willingness to be a leader. You almost have to be born with that. Like that has to be part of your DNA a little bit. Not everybody um, uh, has that DNA in them, and that's fine. But if you're not going to be a leader – be a great follower. Be an open-minded follower. And I don't say follower in a bad way at all. I'm talking about being willing to listen and to learn and to embrace that and to embrace leadership, especially when it's 
coming from a good place and leading you in the right direction. There's guys that just don't. I know it all. I don't need you to tell me anything. Or one ear and out the other, not paying attention, uh, not heeding the advice. That's your, I mean, when we talk about character and we talk about leadership qualities and, and, and putting the right people in place and, and building a team, you know, full of as many good people as you can possibly find, part of that is that part of it. Guys that want to learn and are willing to learn and are willing listeners uh, and become sponges to people that are offering them advice, offering them guidance, offering them teaching because they're trying to make you a better player. Guys, not everybody um, is that open to learning. And it's, it's like, you know what? Wow, you know, uh, what are you going to do, right? You know, you can only you can lead a horse to water, right? You know, all the all the, there's all the cliches. Um, but at some point, you're going to have to be willing to learn, and you're going to be ha- you're going to have to be willing uh, to listen to that advice, heed that advice, and then put that advice to action. And I, I really do believe that a lot of this, this 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 Raider team that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are building, and the type of players that they're bringing in. You're getting your share of leaders, but you're also getting your share of guys that are humble, guys that are willing to learn and want to learn and want to get better. And that's sometimes 90% of that battle. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? How's it going? How you doing, Vinny? I'm doing good, man. You bring up some, uh, I want a classic. Just call it what it is. He was a bust. <laughs> he went sure. to the Central Pacific. I forgot what, yeah. Candy, yeah. Michael, yeah. he was a bust. <laughs> uh, they try at least. Well, Jerry West, Jerry West didn't come to the uh, Clippers earlier. And Keyshawn uh, Johnson, uh, I'm surprised he was never a Raider. He would have looked so good in a Raider uniform. True, true. We had, some, we had somebody that was pretty close, and I thought he would have. A, he had a great career at USC also, and I thought he was going to have a good um, NFL career, but um, I guess he liked the food too much. Uh, Michael Williams. Right, exactly. You remember the, Michael Williams? Yes, the USC Michael Williams. Yeah, that uh, that's true. That's a common name. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's funny. Old, I'm, I'm yeah. reading an article. It was in Yahoo Sports uh, about the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Oluwakande um, situation, and the, the headline is Kareem is still mad at Michael Oluwakande because he just, you know, he just wasn't open to. Uh, it, it was frustrating for Kareem, and I know really? Kareem not even open. Yeah, Stubborn, exactly. Stubborn, and the Bucks, I, whatever they got for him, maybe Junior Bridgman, they got ripped off. It's not like that you don't trade. I mean, I don't, I don't remember the Bulls trading uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, I'm sure they had offers. Yeah, uh, use somebody like that. That's one of our worst trades. Uh, I'm saying, oh, I'm glad we have him. And I heard um, the Raiders got. Uh, I mean, he's signing like a quarterback just to you know fill in. I'd love to see. I hope it's, I hope it's Jamie Newman. I don't know who it was. No, no, no. It, wasn't ja- it, it was not Jamie Newman. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Raiders did bring in a, uh, a, a quarterback today. You know, they're playing a game on Saturday, obviously. Um, you, 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 you don't want to be in a position where you got to, you know, play somebody that's not a quarterback at quarterback if, God forbid, a bunch of guys get hurt. We can pretty much count on... Derek Carr either not playing or playing extremely limited snaps on Saturday. That leaves Marcus Mariota and Nathan Peterman. And I don't expect Marcus Mariota to play a whole lot uh, himself. Maybe 
Um, you know, he gets the, the, the bulk of the first half. Maybe he gets the entire first half. We'll see how it all plays out. But at some, to- at some point, you're gonna, he's going to be out of the game, and you're not going to bring him back uh, into a game. You're not going to do that uh, to, to, to him or, or, or Derek Hart or anybody else. So Nathan Peterman gets the rest of the game. What happens if he gets hurt? What happens if something were to happen? You need to have somebody on the roster that you're going to be able to say, hey, you're a quarterback. You can go out and play. It benefits him because he's going to get a chance to um, you know, put some, something on tape potentially. But it's most, more than anything, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an emergency type situation uh, just so you don't get caught um, in a number situation or have to do something like put you know your backup punter uh, at quarterback or your punter at quarterback whatever the case might be you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bonsignor Interact with the show text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor this is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. Raider Dave, how are you doing, my good friend? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> hey, I think that Carl Joseph coming back, uh, when the starters go out and he comes in, I think he would play for Joseph. And if they start running the defense where his position would be close to the line, I think you might see some really good things. Yeah, um, and he's been getting some run. Um, he's been getting some, some some run at that position and at that safety spot. Uh, keep an eye on um, uh, Tyree Gillespie. He just got back to practice. I think it was Saturday. Might have come back or Sunday, uh, or he, he might have been back on on uh, on Saturday as well. I had some some things I had to take care of uh, on Saturday while practice was happening, so I was in the media room working. Uh, but watching Tyree Gillespie and just just looking at him, this dude. Uh, is put together, and you know John Gruden talked about it earlier this this preseason, or excuse me, during training camp, about how you know he might be able to play some of that uh, you know uh, linebacker position as well, uh, in addition to playing down in the box, which I think that's where he profiles most. So. Yeah, and and that brings up another thing about Muse. Oop, go ahead. He was more of a hybrid where he could play safety too. So that's kind of one of those linebackers that can do both. And I believe that's why Bradley likes him so much. Are you talking about Tanner Muse? Yeah, yeah. I think Muse is like that. I think you're right about Gillespie. But I just think that uh, that Josh has has a point to make, and I think he'll be, he'll be smacking people around pretty good. Yeah, uh, and I I'm really curious and fascinated, and uh, you know, uh, to see some of these young guys that have been lining up and getting. You know, starter type um, starter type snaps that I have, that I have a feeling are going to be uh, in the game. A, a guy like Tanner Muse, I think, almost has to be out there uh, on right. Saturday. Um, and, right. and 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 the way he's lining up, where he's lining up as that strong side linebacker. And I got another uh, quick question. Yeah, go for it. Um, usually, with four preseason games, the first preseason game, you're going to see the starters go out there for one series. You think they'll do two or three with only three preseason games going? How long do you think the starters will be out there? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk to John Gruden today. I wanted to get his thoughts on what his plan was um, f- for the preseason. Keep in mind, um, I know that they don't play the fourth preseason game, but they do play uh, the, the third preseason game is exactly where it falls typically. All right. So, and that third preseason game is usually that dress rehearsal. Yeah, we're um, gonna have like two weeks or something like that before the first opening game. Yes. When they eliminated the fourth preseason game, they literally eliminated the fourth preseason game. It wasn't like they moved everything up or everything back or anything like that. They just 
what they did was they eliminated the fourth preseason game. And as a result of that, like you said, there's going to be a two-week-off period until that first game. So I would suspect... Uh, for and teams, where's the fifty-three cut down and all that? Well, they they yes now they and also the the cuts are uh, different than they were last year. If you re, or the last couple of years, if you remember, you basically didn't make your cuts until after the fourth preseason game. And why right. why that was the case is because you needed bodies. You weren't playing any of your starters, uh, yeah. you know, uh, in that last preseason game. So you needed enough bodies to get you through that game. So what the NFL said after coaches urged these guys, like, I'm not playing my starters. Don't ask me to have to play my starter if somebody gets hurt. Give me my 90 guys so I can, you know, feel comfortable about playing. You know, those guys are going to get, unfortunately, cut, uh, you know, within the next couple of days. But now, because there's no fourth preseason game, you don't have to play that game um, or that math game. So the cuts are going back to kind of a more traditional a traditional uh, manner. Uh, Great stuff, Vinny. You're killing it, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, uh, Raider Dave. Thank you very much. I, I want to read you guys before we get out of here because uh, I, 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 you know, told you the story about Michael Oluwakande and Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I want to read you this quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it, it, it ta- it's, it's, it's directly relates to what we were talking about, about how not everybody's a leader. We get that. We understand that. And you don't ask everyone to be a leader. That's There's a certain you know cut of person that is willing, that's able, that can do it effectively um, and do it genuinely and in a way that people respond to positively. So not everyone is cut out to do that. But you, but but if you're not that, then you at the, at the very least have to be you know, a good person and part of being a good person person is being a willing learner, especially even at this level, because what you learn, especially early on, is going to set the tone for everything that you do beyond that. And if you're closed off to it, you're just damaging yourself and derailing yourself. You're a detriment to yourself. This is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about Michael Oluwakande. I have seen this process firsthand. When I coached for the Clippers, I had to deal with Michael Oluwakande, a player who perfectly fit the description, talented but uncoachable. At practice, I would attempt to point out Mr. Oluwakande's faults to him, ones he constantly repeated and resulted in lost possessions for the team or personal fouls that sent him to the bench. His reactions to my attempts to correct his bad habits was to take my input as a personal insult and embarrassment. He told me point blank that he would not be criticized in front of the team. He stuck to his word and as a result had very few successful moments on the court playing the way he wanted to play. He took his place on the list of athletically gifted washouts who have been in and out of the league in the last 10 years. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about Michael Oluwakande and talking about Michael Oluwakande, the first pick overall in the NBA draft, and was unwilling to listen to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he was taking it as a personal insult, geez, can you get out of your way or can you get in your own way more than that? Michael Oluwakande was a washout. Michael Oluwakande was a bust as a top pick overall. And it sure sounds like, I, I would wonder if he has any regrets looking back on being as stubborn uh, as he was. Because that's just ridiculous. And if you're going to go through life like that, good luck to you. Because you know what? Whatever you set for yourself, whatever goals you set for yourself, if you're not willing to be taught, coached up, led, you know, learn, then, you know, you're not going to go very far. And so uh, that's just, and, and I feel like these, the, you know, 
obviously the Raiders are bringing in a lot of leader-type players or a handful of leader-type players, veterans. But what I'm seeing also are these younger players being willing to learn and listening and, and being sponges. And that is hugely, hugely important. Just that willingness. Hey, I want to say thanks to Jesse Merrick for joining us in the huddle, our good friend from the local affiliate here in uh, Las Vegas, Channel 3. Thanks to all the callers. You brought it. I really appreciate it. Um, we do this for you. Uh, this is why, why we do what we do, uh, whether it's here at Raider Nation Radio or me covering the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com. Uh, we're here for you. And thank you so much for the support. Um, we're going to continue to give it back to you, uh, double that. Uh, and you can count on that. You're in the hot. Oh, th- thanks to Devon Cotton, of course, for making us sound good and doing uh, his thing down at home base. Uh, appreciate you. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Another practice will be put in the books. We'll talk about it. Uh, and it'll take us one day closer to the preseason game. How cool is that? The Raiders welcoming in the Seattle Seahawks Saturday night at Allegiant Stadium. Can't wait. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila in Bahadur. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We at Raider Nation Radio want to congratulate Coach Tom Flores for being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have people from Sanger here. Long way to come from Sanger. You ever try to get here? It's not an easy place to get to. I've been trying for a long time to get here. (laughs) And we agree, Coach, not an easy place to get into, but we are so glad you finally arrived. Southern Nevada, Finley Chevrolet has gone back to back. For the second year in a row, Finley Chevy is the number one Chevrolet volume dealership west of Texas, again! With huge savings, giant discounts, and our enormous inventory of new and pre-owned vehicles, you'll get the Chevrolet you want at the price you deserve. Come see why thousands have made the switch to Finley Chevrolet, home of the... Located in the Southwest at the 215 in South Rainbow. Buy new roads. Hey guys, it's Vinny B, and I want to talk to you about Embajador Tequila, the official tequila of Raider Nation Radios in the huddle. Whether it's celebrating a big win or just kicking back after work, adding Embajador Tequila takes every gathering to the next level. The care, quality, and patience put into every bottle can be tasted from the first sip to the last, and it's why we're honored to call Embajador our teammate. So do yourself a favor and pick up some Embajador Tequila on your next stop at the store, or just go to their website, EmbajadorTequila.com. Embajador Tequila, the official tequila of Raider Nation Radios in the huddle. Hey, it's Cofield. I got to tell you about my pals at Nova Home Loans. May was Military Appreciation Month. Well, they've made 2021 Military Appreciation Year. That means with these record low interest rates and now no processing fees, it's a great opportunity for veterans and active duty military to refinance their existing loan or purchase a home today. No processing fee means a savings of $1,300. But you got to call them 877-700-NOVA. It's Nova Home Loans. Tell them Cofield sent you 877-700-NOVA. NMLS 25011, branch NMLS 777-362. The MGM Resorts NBA Summer League returns for 75 games of action featuring all 30 NBA teams August 8th through 17th at the Thomas and Mack Center at Cox Pavilion. See the stars of tomorrow, take center stage, and electrify the best fans in the NBA right here in Vegas. Adults $40, kids $30, reserve seats available. Tickets on sale now at the Thomas and Mack Center box office, nbaevents.com, or call 702-739-FANS. Ticketing fees apply. 
Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Million says $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarter 